Here's today's transformational truth. Even when your fear feels bigger than your faith, God is for you. Welcome to the Transformational Truth Podcast, where we're committed to eliminating the obstacles that take the joy out of life and leadership. Hey everybody, welcome back. Here's today's transformational truth. Even when your fear feels bigger than your faith, God is for you. So we're continuing the fifth part in our series, Seven Deadly Thoughts, based on my book. And today we're going to learn how to conquer the fifth deadly thought that will limit your life. So let's go ahead and jump right in. So the fifth of the seven deadly thoughts is the limiting belief that says, I can't. Okay, I can't do what God created me to do. I can't have a better life, a better future. I can't have a better marriage with my spouse. And this deadly thought produces the stronghold of fear. Listen, this episode is going to be absolutely freeing. Okay, so let's go ahead and jump in. You're going to want to share this one with somebody you care about. We see the perfect example of the stronghold of fear in Scripture. Okay, we find it in the book of Numbers chapter 13. And so uh, that you will have the proper context for this episode, I want to read a couple of verses from this passage. And let's see if you can relate to the context. Numbers chapter 13, verse 31 says, But the men who had gone up with him said, We are not able, or we can't, to go up against the people, for they are too strong for us. And so they gave out to the sons of Israel a bad report of the land which they had spied out, saying, The land which we have gone and spying it out is a land that devours its inhabitants, and all the people whom we saw in it are men of great size. Okay, we became like grasshoppers in our own sight, and so we were in their sight. Wow. This scripture, this passage is so rich with revelation. They had made up their minds. These leaders of Israel had made up their minds that they could not do what God said they could do because they entertained a deadly thought that said, we can't. I cannot do this. And it ended up with a stronghold of fear in their mind regarding their future. Okay, Because fear robs you of your future. Let me say that again. Fear will rob you of your future. And fear will enter your life in many different ways. Okay, We've all had these experiences with the fear of failure. That's a big one. The fear of embarrassment or rejection. Uh, here's another big one. The fear of what other people think. The fear of never being enough for the people you love. This is a big one. The fear that those around you will somehow see the brokenness within you and devalue you. Listen, fear poisons our perception by causing us to view adversity or difficulty through the lens of defeat. And so it keeps us from fighting for the promises of God by convincing us before we ever begin the fight that we could never win. And I think one of the most damaging byproducts of fear is something that I call the grasshopper mentality. Okay, we already heard it in the passage that I read to you. Uh, it causes your obstacles to look bigger and bigger while seeing yourself as smaller and smaller. And listen, it doesn't just affect the way a person sees himself. It affects the way you think others see you. 
This is exactly what they did. They said, we, we feel like grasshoppers, and that's how they see us. Listen, faith is the ability to believe in what you cannot see, and it's absolutely powerful. That's why when it comes to his attempts to discourage or derail your life, rather than try to eliminate your faith, the enemy would would much rather hijack your faith. And that's what the stronghold of fear does, because fear will cause you to have more faith in the enemy or the obstacle that stands against you than in the God who stands eternally for you. And the longer we soak our minds... And and the idea of how big our problems are or or how flawed we think we are, the more magnified those flaws and problems become. Okay, And before you know it, just like this group of leaders in Numbers chapter 13, we start to assume that others see us the same way that we see us. And that's when we know for sure that in some area of our lives, we contracted what I call the grasshopper mentality. Listen, the, the, the leaders in the book of Numbers chapter 13 did not realize how low they thought of themselves until they were faced with adversity. Let that sink in for a moment, okay? Because their reaction to the challenges set before them offers us a biopsy of their thought life. Essentially, Their strongholds convince them that, listen, we feel like grasshoppers, and that's what all of our enemies think of us too. But I have a question. I want to ask a question. How in the world did these men know what their enemy was thinking? I mean, what do they do? Stand in the middle of the street and take a pole with clipboards? Excuse me, sir. Uh, you know, we're, we're, we're thinking about um, taking the land. This is the land that God promised us. We're, we're thinking, of, we know where you live here, but we think God gave it to us. Uh, we want to ask you a question. It's something we need to know. We think we look like grasshoppers in your sight. I mean, what do you think? That's preposterous. Of course, that's not what they did. The problem was not with uh, what the enemies in front of them thought. It was the fear that was working inside of them that was keeping them from the promises of God, okay? The problem was not with how their enemy saw them. The problem was with how they saw themselves. Let me stop right there and tell you something. The problem is not with how the enemy sees you. The problem is with how you see you, okay? Because the more highly they thought of their enemy, the lower they thought of themselves. In reality, the adversity in front of them never really got bigger, And the promises of God never really got smaller. They simply thought it did. And because they had been infected with this stronghold of fear, they disqualified themselves from God's best for their life. You know know something? I personally believe that God was using the the adversity in front of them to confront the fear that was inside of them. And you know what? I think that's what He does for you, and I think that's sometimes what He does for me. Okay, God will sometimes allow the adversity that we face in life to help us see what was hiding inside of us that keeps us from moving forward. Why would God do that? Why would God allow difficult circumstances or adversity or challenges or storms to come our way? Let me tell you one of the reasons. Because He wants to confront the stuff that's hiding on the inside. Those strongholds in our minds, those limiting beliefs in our minds that keep us, you and I, going in the same circles in our purpose, in our career, in our family, in our relationships. And, you know, uh, we hit a rough patch. We kind of get through it, but then we just keep making the same decisions that keep us stuck. So we stay in the same cycle of zero progress, the, the the same cycle of frustration. And so the Father will interrupt the cycle with adversity to set us free for eternity. Okay? Listen, had they dealt with their low thinking, 
and by faith decided to focus on the promises of God, they would have stepped directly into those promises. Instead, their low thinking caused an entire generation to forfeit that promise. Can I ask you a question? What are the fears that are keeping you from stepping by faith into the promises of God? Maybe you don't know, and that's okay, because that is the nature of a stronghold. It would be a mistake to believe that if you had a stronghold in your thinking, if you had a limiting belief, that you would know it. On the contrary, if, we usually don't know they're there. They usually set themselves up kind of quietly. They're, they're pretty uh, uh, stealthy. And it's usually not until we've set our lives up around them and we end up dealing with the consequences of it that we start to ask the question, what is off? Okay, so here's what I want to do today. We want to identify some of these limiting beliefs. We want to identify some of the, the evidences that fear is in our lives. So I want to talk to you about four symptoms of common fears. All right, let's look at the first one. Decision paralysis. Oh, yeah. Some of us are suffering from decidophobia. <laughs> okay, it is this fear from making any decision for the fear that will make the wrong decision. Uh, or you have that FOMO, that fear of missing out. You fear that you might fail uh, if you make a courageous decision. Uh, you fear being wrong and what it means to be wrong. But, but listen to me carefully. I'm here to tell you that God is eternally for you. He's not against you, so you don't have to be afraid. He loves you with an unwavering love. You are fully known and fully loved by God, which means that God will not reject you. He will not turn his back on you if you happen to make the wrong decision. Take a step of faith. Listen. If you misstep, or like the Apostle Peter, you, you start to sink in the water, listen to me carefully. Jesus will be there to help you get back on track. He'll redeem the moment, and He's going to help you cultivate wisdom from the mistake you made. He's going to teach you something new about His faithfulness. He's going to teach you something new about your potential and your purpose. I, I love Isaiah 41 and verse 10. It's a great passage, and I think it's appropriate here. The Lord says, do not fear, because I'm with you. Do not anxiously look about you. I'm your God. I will strengthen you. Surely I will help you. Surely I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Okay, can I tell you something more dangerous than making the wrong decision? Is making no decision at all. And you keep going in circles over and over and over again. You could have been so much further down the road. And you can make that decision. And you don't have to fear making the mistake or making the wrong decision. Because the worst thing that's going to happen is you're going to learn something new about God. And you're going to learn something new about yourself. All right? Number two, second symptom of the presence of fear in our lives. Relational isolation. Okay. You fear getting hurt, so you push people away. You fear being disappointed. And so you never let people in. And sometimes you may even uh, subconsciously sabotage relationships, not realizing that just as the enemy used people to hurt you, God wants to work through people to heal you. And, and isolation always comes just before devastation, I promise you. Sometimes we isolate because we're afraid that people will see what's really going on in our hearts, and we don't want to confront it. But God works through people. God works supernaturally, naturally. And what we don't realize is that when we isolate ourselves from people, we are actually alienating ourselves from those through whom God wants to use to deliver us into a place of wholeness and healing. God works through people. The enemy will use people to hurt, but God will work through people to heal. Ecclesiastes chapter 4. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. Listen to verse 10. For if, e if either of them falls, 
The one will lift up his companion, but woe be to the one who falls when no one is there to help lift him up. Maybe the reason you're struggling to get back up is because we're not letting people in. You're not letting somebody in. Something happened. You got hurt. I get it. I get it. But I want to challenge you today to take a step of faith and try again. Give trust again. Invite someone in again. Let's look at number three. The third evidence that fear might be present is retreating. Okay, listen, fear will keep you retreating when you should be defeating. Yeah, it'll cause you to run from God-ordained opportunities. You'll run from big dreams. You'll say things like, oh, that's that's too big for me. Some, someone like me could never do that. And you'll start to retreat. You run into hardship in your, your marriage, you'll start to retreat from your marriage. You run into difficulty at work, you'll start to retreat from work, even though God gave you that job, right? Uh, your business isn't taken off as quickly as you thought it should, so, so maybe you'll just quit on the LLC and you'll go back to your 9 to 5 because it's not happening as fast as you wanted it to. You're retreating. Listen, one of the signs that fear has a hold is that when obstacles or conflict come your way, you lean away from it rather than leaning into it. Okay, but God did not create you to retreat. He created you to overcome. Let me say that again. You have not been created to retreat. You've been created to overcome. Romans chapter 8, verse 11 says, The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. Oh, goodness, listen. If you let this, this fear and this manifestation of fear through retreating, call the shots. You'll constantly be moving, but never moving forward. You've got the same Spirit of God living inside of you. You can't lose. You can't lose. Even if you get knocked down, you just get back up. The same Spirit who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. You cannot lose. But if you let this, this, this mindset of retreating run the show, you'll constantly be busy, but never accomplishing much. Right? You're just going to recycle the same activity, but you're going to give it a new label. And, and it'll keep you talking about what should be, but never experiencing what could be. You're going to go in circles in your relationships. You're going to go in circles in your healing from old insecurities and pain. You're going to go in circles in your purpose. You're going to keep walking around it, but never stepping into it. All because a stronghold has been established that convinces you you're not able, you can't do it, you're just a grasshopper. But God's Word never declares you to be a grasshopper. In fact, one of the ways the Bible describes your identity in Christ is victorious. You are victorious. Romans 8.37, yet in all these things, not in a couple of these things or a few of these things, yet in all of these things we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. Oh, so great, Pastor Travis. How do I eliminate strongholds of fear in my life? I mean, how do I serve this, this uh, spirit of fear, an eviction notice? Oh, listen, I'm going to warn you in advance that the answer is so doggone simple that you're going to be tempted to dismiss it. it, it you're you're going to think, no, 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 that can't be it. It's too simple. That's it, that, that can't be possible. You're going to almost you walk away from it or dismiss it. It comes from a revelation of truth. Okay. Specifically, truth that has been revealed in the Bible. And it's in God's Word that we learn how to cast fear out of our lives. Okay, I'm going to read it to you. It's one verse. 1 John chapter 4, verse 18. You ready? There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. Because fear involves punishment, and the one who fears has not been perfected in love. Listen to me carefully. 
Until we truly believe that we're unconditionally loved by God, on our bad days as well as our good days, on the days we've failed, even when we have sinned. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, even when you have sinned and fallen short, again, until you truly believe that God's love is unconditional, and you're always going to fear punishment because you don't realize that the punishment for that sin and that failure, Jesus took it on the cross. So there is no more punishment. Okay, that was covered. That was taken care of. Until you believe that fundamentally, then fear will always find a crack in the door of your heart. Always. Until you know you are perfectly loved, until you know you are unconditionally loved, fear will always find a way to get into our life because I promise you every other fear in your life, if you trace it back, it's going to be traced back to this this fundamental belief or disbelief in God's love for you. Well, I messed up, so God's going to get me. Well, I fell short again, so God's going to strike me with lightning. I, you know, oh, I didn't live a perfect life this week. I'll never get a promotion. I'm never going to get the job. God's never going to bless. God's never going to turn my life around. Why? Because I do not understand that fundamentally the punishment that, I, that I'm worried about okay, was taken care of 2,000 years ago on a cross in the body of Jesus. He took all of the wrath and all of the punishment for all of our sins 2,000 years ago. It has been covered all of them, all sins, which sins, which sins, Pastor Travis, all sins, past sins, present sins, future sins. Well, be careful, don't say that, because if you say all sins, including future sins, people are going to go crazy. They're going to go out there and sin like crazy. No, no, no. Ladies and gentlemen, that's, <laughs> that's not how this works. When you're born again, you become a new creation. You're totally righteous in Christ Jesus, and you're holy in Christ Jesus. Okay? And I can prove it, because when you sin after becoming righteous, you're going to be miserable. Right? So you're either going to live righteously and feel totally fulfilled and happy, or you're going to sin and be miserable. Either way, you prove you're a new creation, and you prove you're totally righteous in Christ Jesus. That's not how this works. When the Holy Spirit comes to live inside of you, He does not make you a better sinner. You are a saint. Every day your mind's being renewed. Every day you're maturing in your identity in Christ. But until I believe that all of my punishment was covered 2,000 years ago on the hill called Calvary in the body of Jesus, I'm always going to fear. And I'm always going to interpret bad things happening as God punishing me. Listen to me. No. Do bad things happen to good people? Of course. Yes, bad things happen all the time. They do. Absolutely. Jesus warned us, in this world you'll have trials. In this world you're going to have tribulations. But they were not and they are not the punishment of God because... 2,000 years ago, in the body of Christ, all the punishment was released. You ready for this? Jesus took all of your punishment so you could receive all of the Father's love. Ah, let me say it again. Jesus took all of your punishment and mine so that you and I could receive all of the love of the Father. Wow. And 2,000 years ago, perfect love was put on display. Because Jesus is perfect love. He took all of that punishment for sin so that you would never have to fear if God's going to leave you. You never have to fear if God's going to forsake you. You never have to fear, oh shoot, what if I missed the will of God and I made the wrong decision that he's suddenly going to be disappointed and withdraw his love or favor from your life. That is not how this works. Okay. That is not how this works because the covenant that we live, this new covenant we live in was not made between God and man. Go study the Bible. Go look at the Scripture. The new covenant was made between God the Father and God the Son. So it's not based on your perfection. It's not based on your ability to make 100% perfect righteous decisions every day. It's made on the fact that Jesus is God and He is perfectly righteous. Period. And so you are not the one that can break the covenant. It was made between God and God. You are. 
secure in his hand and in his love. He'll never cast you aside. When you place your faith in Christ, (laughs) you are saved by grace. That means there's nothing left to hide. Oh my goodness, that's good news. You can come boldly to the throne of grace and be like, oh, Father, I messed up. Will you help me get back on track? And he'll say, yeah, absolutely. My grace is sufficient for you. You're fully known and fully loved by God. Okay? And he loves you with a perfect love. My goodness, you can stop asking yourself fear-filled questions like, am I going through this because God is giving, e- getting even with me? You know how many times I hear this? It breaks my heart because we've been taught often to unintentionally. We've been taught poorly. Okay. We, st- we ask ourselves these questions. Am I going through this because of my past and God's getting even with me? No. All of that was settled on the cross once and for all time. In fact, are you ready for this? God loved you before you even believed he loved you. Yes. The Bible does not say God so loved the saints. The Bible does not say God so loved the righteous people. The God did not say God only loves the perfect people. No, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. While we were still sinners, while we were enemies with God, he loved us. Oh, yes. He loved you before you loved him. His love for you is not dependent upon your love for him. Mm -mm. He loves you because God is love. Okay, So you no longer have to allow fear to dictate your life. Because in John chapter 15 and verse 9, Jesus extends an invitation to us. You ready for it? This is the Passion Translation. I love this. Watch this. He said, I love you with the same love that the Father loves me. Mm. Goodness, let that sink in for a minute, please. Jesus said, I love you with the same love that the Father loves me, the Son. And then he said, you must continually let my love nourish your heart. God's mind is made up about you. He's for you. He's not against you. He's for you on your good days. He's for you on your bad days. Listen to me. He's always for you because we're living under this covenant of God's grace, not a covenant of earning, not a covenant of proving, but a covenant of grace established by faith in Jesus alone. Okay. And this covenant, oh, it's such an incredible, the Bible calls it a new and better covenant, established on new and better promises. And since the terms of this covenant are based on Jesus and what he did on the cross and not on your ability to produce perfection every day, you never have to wonder if God's going to leave or walk away. Jesus will forever be God the Son perfectly righteous, perfectly holy, and because he abides in you and in me, we never have to worry if our imperfections, mistakes, sins, or failures are going to make God stop loving us, okay? Because with the same love that God the Father loves the Son, so Jesus loves you and he loves me. So let's recap today's transformational truth. Even when your fear feels bigger than your faith, God is for you. Mm. Listen, if you'd like to grab your own copy of Seven Deadly Thoughts, um, you can find it online at Amazon.com. And if Transformational Truths is helpful to you, please do me a favor. Take a moment, go over to Apple iTunes, rate the show, and write us a quick review. Because I want to help you restore the joy to your life and your leadership. Until next time.